Hey guys, another recording from my new podcast, Games with Entrepreneurs, this time with a local friend of mine, Nick Loper. Nick's website, SideHustleNation.com, is read by over 1.5 million visitors a year and over 30,000 listeners tune into the Side Hustle Show podcast each week. He helps people earn money outside of their day job, and his award-winning Side Hustle Show podcast features new part-time business ideas each week. So enjoy this fun and action-packed episode with Nick Loper. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Calculate your app's LTV and predict your mobile app's cash flow over the next year with Pollen VC's LTV Calculator. Learn more by visiting ltvcalculator.pollen.vc. Hey guys, do me a favor, go check out my newest podcast, Games with Entrepreneurs. It's available on all your favorite podcast apps, and it's an excuse for me to have deep conversations and fun conversations with inspiring entrepreneurs, and we play some games. It's a project I've been working on for the past two years, and I finally had the guts to launch it, so it would mean the world to me if you just go check it out, and if you enjoy it, please subscribe and leave a rating as well. That helps, especially with this podcast as well, the App Masters Podcast. Once again, you can check it out by searching for Steve P. Young in your favorite podcast app, and you're going to find it. It's called Games with Entrepreneurs. Thanks. Oh, what's up, what's up, what's up? No, I like to, Nick, I like to start out this way. What is up, y'all? Thank you guys coming. Thank you guys for watching. This is The Spice Shack, and I've got a good friend of mine who started a phenomenal podcast, phenomenal website, phenomenal blog all about the side hustle. You can check them out. It is sidehustlenation.com. But without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Nick Loper. Nick, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. What's the normal intro you do? I say, what's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you a life. Kind of a rotating uh, tagline there. How did you come up with the what's up, what's up, what's up? I don't know. I feel like I started doing it early on and then was trying to incorporate different elements of consistency across the show. So like people would know, you know, what segment, like kind of take a page out of terrestrial radio where it's like, okay, at 743 every morning, we go to uh, Steve for traffic and then we do sports and then we, you know, play this trivia game and then whatever it is. So like trying to incorporate elements of that into the podcast. And so like a consistent intro, consistent segue, consistent you know, way of, you know, transitioning out of certain segments. So that was, I think where that started. <laughs> the, I thought, I thought the same way, like I'm a big survivor fan. So I was like, I need something catchy. Right. And I always said, what is up? And I like, it's more fun than just saying what's up, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, I was like, what's up? And then people, you know, what's funny is like, when I say what's up to people, like you're not like looking for a response necessarily, right? <laughs> I'll get like, like hey. oh, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, it's just like, it's just like a how you doing or a hi, right? Yeah. And so it's, for me, I thought the same way. Like I need a hug and I just came up with what is up. But in the beginning, man, I was just like, welcome to the mobile app chat. You know, it was so like robotic and stuff. All right, Nick. So let's get into the show. Here's how it's going to work. I've got a board, 
I know a little bit about you. We've done some research on you as well, beyond just side hustle and what you've got going on. We've got this board, and we're going to play a game. And through this game, we're going to learn a little bit more about you at the same time. All right? So let me share this board with the crew. As you can see, I'm managing everything here. <laughs> it's a very high-end production. All right. As you can see the board, here are the categories, Nick. We're going to be playing. We play this with everybody that comes onto the show. We've got your personal. We've got your business, of course, because it's a business-related podcast. And then we've got a silly. So, Nick, pick a number. This is, this is fancy uh, production here. Um, let's do uh, business for 100. Oh, merge on my team. She put it all together. So, let's see what's under here. What inspired you to start Side Hustle Nation? Man, it's like going back to the old thing of what do you never get tired about talking about? And for me, that was the idea of, you know, creative ways to earn extra money, um, you know, business ideas you could start low risk, start part-time. So that was my background prior to, you know, when I started the blog and podcast, it was a, a complete side project from the original side hustle of mine, which had turned into a full-time business. And that was a footwear comparison shopping site. And while I was running that, that business had, you know, the roller coaster of um, entrepreneurial emotions, like, like just about any business. And, it, it, you know, it was going through some ups and downs. And it was probably during one of those downs where it was like, you know, what else should I be doing? How else should I diversify? And started a, a bunch of other projects on the side of it. And a couple of those, most of those kind of died a, a quiet death in the corner of the internet, but a couple are still around. And the one that really got a lot of traction was the, the Side Hustle Show podcast. So started in 2013 as kind of a, a personal branding uh, endeavor. Like, what do you want to be known for when people Google you? Um, and, and that was you know something that I was excited about talking about to share some of my experiences in building the shoe site, the affiliate site. But really, <laughs> maybe the light bulb moment was like, look, you're not the world's foremost expert on this stuff. But you know, through the podcast medium, you can call up people who are and they'll give you an hour of your time or an hour of their time and selfishly and selflessly implement theirs and share their uh, advice with other people. So it never came out of like, for me, like I wanted to be a host. Like I've always wanted to be a host of some sort. And I didn't want to start a generic pod, like a business podcast. I was like, what do I, I don't know what to do it on. And I had this app business. So I was like, oh, just do it on apps. Apps are exploding. Yeah, it was, a, good, it was a great niche, man. I get to learn from people and have an excuse to like really ask them deep questions. Yeah, and that was the, that was the selfish aspect of it. It's like you get to call up people and hear what's working in their business and be like, you know, I'm going to peel off a, a little bit of that. I want to borrow that for myself. And there's lots of examples of that, especially the shows related to online business and SEO and specific social media marketing tactics, but also you know, specific sales channels. Like, oh, here's how I grew my business on Amazon. Or here's, here's something I tried over on udemy.com for horse, hosting courses. And, you know, it's all, there's always going to be some parallels that you can try and apply. And so that was the, that was the selfish aspect of the, the podcast. And then the selfish, selfless aspect was, you know, being able to share that from, you know, at the, at the beginning, like a $50 mic from the living room and being able to broadcast that out was, I'm, I don't know, I'm high on the podcasting medium because I think as more and more people kind of get on board with on-demand audio, it's, it's a game changer. For me, 
I, I, I don't know how you just first discovered podcasts, but for me, I was, I probably like clicked some link from Twitter that sounded compelling, right? And I hit this landing page or hit this, you know, blog post and I am like getting physically upset because like whatever was promised in the title was not on that page. And then you see the little like player at the top, like, oh, you buried the good stuff like 40 minutes deep into this MP3. But once I figured out, this is like pre-smartphone, like once I figured out how to get that onto my uh, iPod, legit like iPod back in the day, um, I was hooked. And I was like, where has this been all my life? I think about all of the you know, windshield time that I had driving at my old job, and like all this wasted hours where I could have been learning. It was, you know, really, really cool. So I think as more people get on board with that, you know, there's a huge uh, growth potential still to come in the, in the podcasting world. I mean, you've got phenomenal success. I know you got millions and millions upon downloads because we started around the same time. I didn't know 2013. We have, Nick, as we're about to discover throughout this show, we've got a lot of similarities. But we, I started in 2013. You got some phenomenal success. Like you've done probably half the episodes, like 300. But you got way more. I'm talking like way more in terms of the millions, in terms of your reach. So congrats on that. Have you had but, any I mean, like? But it's a broader show. I mean, so it's like I mean, you own the app marketing niche, and I hope to own the side hustle niche. That's awesome, man. Have you had any like? weird or fun or cool celebrity type of moments from the show? There have been a few. Um, one was here locally. I was actually out um, kind of mis- not, not really mystery shopping, but I was actually out doing a side hustle that I heard about on the show, mm-hmm. which was like um, Amazon arbitrage and like buying clearance stuff locally and flipping it. So I was at the hardware store locally and I was going through checkout and must have been talking to the cashier and some guy comes up behind me he's like are you Nick Loper he's like I knew you were in Livermore because you mentioned that and that was that was super random that was a long time ago that was probably 2015 so that was kind of random and then another guy met (laughs) met us at a park in Washington we were up there visiting family and I had I'd sent out an email like hey you know Seattle area meet up on Thursday come on by and he had replied like, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. Um, cause of whatever reason, but then like at the park, you know, on a totally different day, he was like, Hey, are you Nick? And that was, that was really random. Probably the, the most random one was we were in Mexico last summer, this tiny town North of Mexico city called San Miguel. And we were walking down this alleyway and I've got the baby, you know, three-month-old baby strapped to me in the carrier and my wife and our son are, are coming behind. And there's this other tourist, this other white guy and his girlfriend are walking the other direction. And I blow right past him and, and he stops my wife and is like, is that Nick Loper? And she's like, who is this dude? <laughs> it was, and it turned out he was, he's in the uh, Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. And I reckon as soon as he said, I was like, oh, you know, Patrick, what's going on? That was a really, really small world moment, especially because we weren't even, I mean, had the taco truck we wanted to go to been open 15 minutes earlier, we never would even been on that block. So that's, you know, those random encounters are awesome, but like the, the meeting of listeners in real life has been by far the most rewarding and kind of surprising aspect of building the show. It's like everywhere we go, we can, you know, connect with, with friends and listeners. And that's been, um, I always get a lot of energy from from hosting those meetups. 
Before I ask you a very important question based off of that, like I think that's been phenomenal too. And what you said about almost being being able to go anywhere in the world and having somebody that quote unquote know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Like the one of the coolest was we went to Prague a few years ago and one uh, a listener and kind of a friend who, you know, I met through this self-publishing Facebook group, he went he like met us at the airport. He showed us how to use like the public transportation to get to our Airbnb. He took like a couple of days off work to show us around and take us to these different restaurants. It was like, this is incredible. Like, you know, we have a huge, and, and that, you know, really made uh, a big difference because otherwise you're just kind of like, you know, looking through the Rick Steves book and saying, where should we go? But it's like, we had a, you know, a local guide, which was awesome. So back to that Mexico story, this is the important question. Did you get any brownie points from your wife? Was she impressed? She was impressed. She's always <laughs> impressed. <laughs> She's like, man, you're like, people, people know you. She was like Instagramming it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, that's, all, that's all I'm really living for, for my wife to be there and for somebody to come up to me. So <laughs> somebody, somebody recognizes Steve. Yeah, just somebody who's ever watching, just do it for me. That would be much as appreciated while my wife is there too. All right, brother. So, oh, you want to do that. Let me go to the next. Let's go back to the category. Okay. What's next for you? Let's do a, a silly one. How about silly for 200? I was hoping you go there soon. Usually, you know, you can tell a lot about a person, like which category they're going to pick first. My previous guest went silly all the way through <laughs> before we hit anything else. Nick, explain oh. this right here. You see this? I can see it. <laughs> tell us where this is. So you married your high school sweetheart. Yeah, you. I don't know where you dug up that photo, man. That's uh, it's from her girl. Instagram, so it's public. So I okay. figured her Instagram's public. So I was like, this. I think this is okay. And so you tell me otherwise. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I think um, obviously my wife has aged better than uh, better than I have. It's those Asian genes, right? <laughs> you know it. Um, so that is probably nineteen ninety nine or two thousand. Um, homecoming. I'm guessing. Or prom, but maybe not now, nah, not prom, because I think I had the, the goatee by the time prom rolled around. So, um, yeah, this is, this is ancient. This is 20 years old. <laughs> How has it been? Like, I, I married my high school sweetheart, too, and Nick, we're going to do a contest for this, too. But, like, how's that been? Now that you have a couple of kids, it's been like 20 plus years. I think we, we both got together with our girlfriends, now wives, back when I, when I, we were, I was 15. And so how's that journey look like for you guys? I know it's been a tough one for me that I've documented online a lot. <laughs> like any relationship, there are challenging moments, but it's been, overall, it's been awesome. And I think that's the reason that we're still together and we can still support each other. There have been a ton of examples of where Bryn is kind of encouraging me or pushing me to, you know, try the next thing or saying like, you're, you're going to figure this out. Um, rather than being like, don't do that. Like take the safe road. Like, you know, why don't you just get a real job? Why don't you do this? So she's been super supportive in that. I mean, we've, we've grown up together essentially. And I'm really, really grateful to have a, a partner to share life with. And I, I mean, we, we say that like every night, like, oh, I'm, I'm glad we get to live together. Like, it's still fun like that. The, I'm trying to think of the, and, and you know, the entrepreneurial uh, nature has rubbed off on her too. So her and her partner have a photography business that is in year 
six, I want to say. They're coming up on their sixth season of shooting weddings. And it's been it's been really cool to watch them grow as business owners and increase their prices and you know figure out how to market this thing and deliver work for clients. It's been really cool. I know my wife and I had a really tough time when we first had the kids. And then she has her own business too, Nick. She's a lawyer and she has her own law firm. And it was my first year of business when I wasn't making so much money. And I was just like, oh my goodness, we had to see therapy and all this. And I almost say like growing up, you said it best, growing up with her. And there's like stages, right? Like we're a different person in our 20s. We're a different person in our teens. We're a different person in our 30s. And now we're in our late 30s. And it almost feels like now everything's molding into one person. Like we're both, she started being vegan. So I started being vegan. She loves soul cycle. I love soul cycle. Now <laughs> I said, I gave up alcohol. She gave up alcohol a long time ago. Like she rarely drinks. So I was like, I should probably adopt it. I have found like, it's kind of a great feeling now because it's a person you grew up with. And now it's like, Hey, we're like one person now. Like it's really weird. Like we were becoming really one person. And because we started out so early that, you know, you, these are things that people in their seventies and eighties feel like, I feel like for me, but like, we're so we're still like late thirties and like, we're sort of rushing it now. You know, I'm getting to feel the joy of having someone for like 30, 40 years in your life, but at still a, a young age. So I feel, I feel very grateful for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. And we'll joke that it's like the ultimate productivity hack. Like think about how much time in your twenties and thirties you like you spent not having to date other people. How much money did you save? Like That's on true. these, uh, you know, swiping apps and stuff like that. Um, so she's, she's like all for it. I do feel like I'm like, what would it feel like to date now? And so I'm always like thinking like, it's like, I haven't done this since like I was like 16. Like this is not going to work. <laughs> What's that? It's like, yeah, I haven't had to worry about this since I was 16. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Nick. So since I brought a picture of you, I wanted to share this and I kind of wanted to just put it up to the audience and see which person looked cooler. The guy on the Ooh. right. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a late, uh, late nineties picture. Dude, this was like, I think sophomore year, like winter ball. It was pretty insane. I think we just got together. You see checking out that vest, right? Yeah. Your wife looks like she's about 13, maybe even younger. <laughs> oh man. I love these pictures. I thought I'd, th I'd throw one up there too as well. All right. Let me go back. Did you grow up here in the, in the Bay area? What's that? Yeah, I did. Fremont. Okay. All right, Nick, what tickles your fancy? Um, I like the silly one. How about another silly for 100? I know you're a big Simpsons fan. Share your favorite Simpsons quote and perform it by the actor. Oh my gosh, how to pick a favorite? Um, dude, I don't, <laughs> of course, it's like, I need multiple choice, right? Um, I've got a few lines because I was doing research before this. Okay, I'm trying to think of... I mean, there's also, there's a ton of like business. It's a very entrepreneurial show. Um, it's uh, so there's always business examples of Homer like trying to sell bacon grease and, and crazy stuff. Um, like you remember when he starts mon uh, starts driving the monorail, and there's like this family of possums that's living in the uh, in the cabin, and somebody else comes in and he's freaking out, or cause they're like, "Dude, do you know you have possums back here?" He's like, "Yeah, I call the big one bitey." <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, no big deal for him. Um, and there's a, like one of my favorites like is uh, related to going to church. He's like, what if we pick the wrong religion? You know, each week we're just making God matter and matter. Homer's hilarious. As I was doing research, I was like, man, he's got some ridiculously funny lines. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a character. I haven't, now, now I feel bad because I haven't seen the show in, you know, 15 or 20 years. And, and they still keep putting them out. But, you know, all of those 90s era Simpsons episodes, we'd come home, we'd watch the reruns, like, you know, every night. While we're on the silly category, there is a bone I have to pick with you. What's your pet peeve? I noticed that you had a pet peeve about people who say their middle initial, I think it was. What's that pet peeve about? Because I do that all the time. I have to do that. Yeah, you have to do it because you've got a famous name. Yeah. I have no choice. Um, there was a dude, <laughs> I don't know, he was like emceeing a conference he, uh, I went to. And he was like, hey, I, you know, and he's like up on stage, I'm so-and-so, P so-and-so, right? And I was like, we don't, we don't care. Like who, <laughs> it's just, it was like, it sounds, it sounds very pretentious to me if you don't have a famous name. Like I you've see. got, you've got an excuse. Okay. Okay. Good. Right. I wasn't sure. Like, oh my goodness, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this up to him. Like Winchester, right. <laughs> Winchester P. Smithington third. Like who cares? All right, give us another one, Nick. Um, let's do another business one. Business 200. First, what is your first memory of being an entrepreneur? Um, one of the, probably the most important was doing um, a painting business in college. And, you know, I had done, you know, I was the kid like trying to sell baseball cards at the end of the driveway and sell, you know, candy at summer camp and stuff like that before. Um, but the, the painting business, and it was a painting internship through uh, a company called College Works Painting where they assign you a territory and say, all right, have at it, go paint as many houses as you can. Um, you know, here's the, here's our training on how to, you know, estimate a job and, and get it all done. But that was the real turning point for me in like working for profits and not wages, um, you know, hiring and firing, uh, you know, doing sales door to door, um, doing estimates, like getting homeowners to trust a 19 year old kid uh, with their biggest purchase, their biggest investment. Um, everything that can go wrong did go wrong. Like we had just some nightmare mistakes and situations that we had to work through, but it was a huge growing experience, huge learning experience in like, okay, you know, it's, it's all on my shoulders. Like I figure out how to get that done it was, and, and it was tremendously humbling too, because at the same time, they, you, you know, you're compared to your group of peers, like across the state, like you're one of 50 different territory managers and you can see the kind of sales numbers that other people are posting. My friend is texting me in the middle of the day, dude, you want to go wakeboarding? Because he's got to figure it out. Like he's got his crew, like doing the paint job for him and he trusts them to get it done. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm painting, man. <laughs> he was like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be painting. So it was just, you know, it was a really humbling experience to say like, you know, there were definitely people uh, far better at it than I was, but it was kind of like by brute force got through it. You know, I've met a couple of different great entrepreneurs who came either from that painting service or, you know, those knife selling services, but like what made you join it? Cause I think in my college, I went to Davis, you know, that, that was exists, but I never joined. What made you say like, I want to do this. So they don't tell you it's painting up front. Uh, that was, that was one important thing. So they, they come into your class and they give you this flyer. It's like, hey, do you want a paid summer internship where you can learn entrepreneurship, sales, marketing, hiring, firing, like customer service? And you're like, dang, that sounds like pretty legit business experience. Like, let me learn more. And it's only like, you know, at a stage or two past that in the interview process where they like tell you, okay, so here's what the product actually is. And by that point, you're kind of invested in it a little bit more. And this was 
an example of um, where Bryn was super supportive because I'm like kind of hemming and hawing this decision. Like, you know, should I just go back and try and work at the restaurant that I worked at last summer? Like, what should I try and do? Um, and she's like, look, it's three months of your life. Like, if it sucks, it sucks. It's three months. Like, what's the worst case scenario? And so we've tried to, tried to frame other kind of stressful decisions around that same logic. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You know, you, you spend three months and maybe you learn something, maybe you don't, but it's like, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to go broke doing this. It's probably not life-threatening. And, you know, maybe it turns out to be a pretty cool move. I wish I signed up for it now. I'm going back. Okay. If you're in college and they're coming up to you, you should sign up for this. It's, it's, it was really cool. I mean, you know, um, uh, Chandler Bolt and uh, Josh, I- Josh uh, Isaac, and um, there have been a, a few others from from the show and the archives who, you know, we kind of bond over this uh, this painting experience for sure. Yeah, I think it teaches you so much, like the hardships of running the business, the hiring, the firing, all the stuff. It's really cool. All right. What's next, Nick? Um, how about personal for 100? You want to cold showers for 50 days in a row. Tell me about this, man. It was 500 days. It was a year and a half. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I read it wrong. It's 500. You're right. Dang, that's Which makes it even, sound even worse. Um, so I don't do this anymore, although, you know, off and on, we will start colder and cold. Um, so this started as a... A, is a personal challenge from a guest on the show, which I realized, of course, after the fact, you could edit that out. Um, but on air, he was like, you know, I encourage you to take the cold shower challenge, try it for 30 days and, you know, see how you feel. And so I was like, that sounds awful, but ended up doing it. And during those first 30 days, like some good things started to happen. Like I actually did feel better. I felt more energized, more productive. And could totally be placebo, but some good things started to happen in the business. Like I was getting more clients during that time. Um, you know, maybe some traffic was going up. It was like, okay, I, I kind of want to keep doing this. I want to kind of want to keep going. And so it turned into a year and a half streak uh, of doing that and kind of being an advocate for it to kind of, you know, kickstart your, kickstart your mindset. And in his, like, so it was Nick Reese who made me, uh, who got me started on this, the, he said the reason he started it was purely um, like metabolic. And he gave the example of like, well, Michael Phelps eats 6,000 calories a day and he's not burning that. I mean, he's burning a lot of calories swimming, but he's also burning calories like heating his body up by being in cold water. So he's like expending energy. And so his argument um, was that, okay, this is a fat burning hack, a metabolic hack, because you're going to be spending calories long after you get out of the shower to kind of bring your temperature back up. It's like, oh, that's an interesting one. I never heard about that. Like I've, I would heard people, cause I do this too, but man, I would, summers is so easy. You know, where we live, it gets so hot that it's so easy, but the winter time is the hardest for me. Cause I'll do the, like, I won't wait for the water to warm up. I'll just get in and start. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. And I'll try to end it with that. But like, once it becomes winter, I found like that's the hardest part. Just want to be in the water still. Yeah, it's it's brutal. <laughs> you can just kind of get it. You kind of do your little scream, and then you know, and you kind of get you a little more used to it. But when we'd go visit family, like in Washington over Christmas and stuff, like that was like the worst time for it. Oh my goodness! How, what made you do five hundred? It just you know where it ended was just you know I think I had caught the the flu or something. Like I didn't feel like my willpower was weak, and then once it was over, it was over. 
That's awesome, man. I, I gotta try this again. Okay, now I want the challenge as well. All right, Nick, give me another one. Uh, what's left on the board? How about silly for you... three hundred? Silly for three hundred? Let's do it. Okay. I don't know what we got to change that. All right. You know, you've said this. You said you still don't know what you want to be when you grow up. Do you know what you want to be when you grow up, Nick? I mean, the only answer is you know, happy, <laughs> so fulfilled, excited about your work in a loving relationship, whether that relates to a job is, I, I think we've been trained to think of the, an- we've been conditioned to think of the answer to that question as being a job, but I think that's just one realm of, of possibilities. So um, I think it was Freud who said, you know, the secret to happiness is is love and work, you know, meaningful work, meaningful relationships. And Tony Robbins added, like, the key word is progress. Like, am I making progress towards my goals? Like, am I feeling like I'm a little bit closer today than I was yesterday? And so that's kind of what I aspire to to be when I grow up. Like, I love the work that I do now. Um, it's, you know, every business has a life cycle. So it's hard to say, like, you know, this will be around 20 years from now. But it's it's exciting to think, of where it's kind of come from and, and where it may go. The, man, there was a question I was going to, then I had to make sure my wife was okay. But the thing that do you, Oh yeah. Now that you've been on entrepreneur for so long, like do you ever think like you failed if you had to go back to another job? If you, it, it would be frustrating if you, if you had to, um, if you wanted to, that's a different story. Like some some friends of mine have been like, oh, because of the work I was doing as an entrepreneur, a company approached me and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Like, hey, absolutely. Now you're not the one, you know, they're going to take up a, a big chunk of your time and a big chunk of your income that you don't have to go necessarily, maybe you don't have to fight for as a freelancer or as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way to go about it. But yeah, man, I don't know if I could go back. Like it would just be, uh, it would be, kind of challenging for me, I think. See, so many of my friends say that maybe because we're, we run with the entrepreneurs, right? And I'm like, I don't, like sometimes I don't like the headache of having to worry about finances, having to worry about taxes, having to worry about all these little things. Sometimes I'm like, just want to just some, sometimes I say this to myself, Nick, I'm like, somebody just tell me what to do. Like, I'm tired <laughs> of thinking, you know what I mean? Just somebody just tell me what to do. I'll get it done. I'll execute it. Tell me the vision. I'll execute it. I'll come up with some creative ways of doing it, but just tell me where to go. Do you struggle with that? Like you'll have items because this happens to me. You know, have you you'll have items on your to do list for like weeks or months at a time, and then you kind of you're like, why is this not? Why am I not moving on this? And you're like, oh wait, because it comes back on me. Like if I don't if I don't act on it, nothing is ever going to happen. So I do have those moments where it is a little bit challenging in fi- kind of figuring out the next move, the next steps, and that's one reason that you know mastermind groups and peer groups have been really helpful for me, kind of you know, have somebody to bounce ideas off of and say like, oh, in, in your, when I was in your position three months ago, I pulled this lever and this is what happened. And so you're like, oh, okay, I could try something like that. So yeah, man, I don't, it would be, <laughs> I feel like instead of going back to work, I would just like retire and move to Costa Rica or someplace where your dollars stretch a little further. Yes. I want to do that so bad. The, I started doing this. I have a journal that I keep every day, but I have weekly projects that I'll always write out first. And then I started noticing that, like you said, these projects would come on every single week. And so this week I was like, let me just put a number. 
Like how many times has it shown up? Like what, you know, what week are we on that this project has been on this weekly project list? So hopefully I get it done by seeing a two or a three on there now. I finally get it done. But yeah, there are times when I'm just like, just tell me what to do. I'm do done. you ever just bail on stuff where it's like, okay, look, I've had this on my list for two months yeah. and clearly it's not a priority because I haven't done it. Right. And, and so it's like life theoretically went on just perfectly fine without it. So it's like, maybe I don't need to tackle that. I think it's so important because when I, I was listening to Gary Vee and I stopped listening to a lot of different podcasts on business just because I'm just done. Like I want to be entertained in a way, but I like listening to just these type of personal inter, like interviews because I think you hear the stories. Like I'm less about the, the micro strategies now and more about the macro just philosophies and mindset because I was going through a rough time in my business and I felt like just like being like done, like just find a job and somebody tell me what to do. I'm just, I don't want to stress about all this stuff anymore. And it was just like, listening to others go through the same things, make the same bad decisions, open up with their sort of like, quote unquote, failures. I'm like, okay, this is just normal. I'm going through this. Let me get back on track. Let me just try to, you know, get back on track, put the train back on track. Yeah. It's always the, what Seth Godin calls it the dip or something, which is like, okay, I'm going to, or, or um, another guest of mine called it kind of the, the sprint where she was working her full-time job. She had sold a ton of her social media management service as her side hustle. And she was like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go under, like, I'm going to need to hold my breath for three, four months. And if I can come out the other end, I don't need this day job anymore. But it was like that intermediate time is going to be challenging. And she was upfront with her husband about it and just like, okay, I need your support on this. And here's what I think it can become. And She's done, she's done well with it. That's kind of like recognizing that up front and saying, okay, sprint time. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish with this show is just like, feel like we can open up with these like stories. And if you were to write a book about Nick Loper, this would almost be like the prelude to the Nick Loper autobiography as well. All right. With that said, I think we're done with silly. I need to figure out a better board so that we can figure out what we've done. Pick another one, Nick. Um, how about business for 300? As a Simpsons fan, what is the most timeless business lesson you took away from the show? I know you have a blog post I'll link up as well about the business lessons you got from the Simpsons. Oh man, that's from like 2013. So I got to go back and update it. Um, we go way back, Nick. We go way back. When we do research. <laughs> yeah. So probably the the biggest one is, you know, turning customers into regulars into fans. And there are a few examples of that. Um, maybe the, like, I want to go to Moe's Tavern, but I don't think that's like a great, <laughs> like, I don't want to like promote, you know, alcoholism, but like he has his loyal regular customers and he like has tried, you know, a bunch of different things to, you know, you know, rebrand his business and try and be like a trendy bar. And it always, it always comes back to being the same old kind of dive bar. So he, you know, stays in his lane and he has his own customer base. So that's kind of one that, that comes to mind. Like, how can I become a raving fan? And the, the product that I'm selling is not alcohol. So hopefully it's not as like damaging to your, to your body and your mind. Um, but that's one that, that comes to mind. Um, and there's like the, the crusty burger, which is like an equally unhealthy option. Um, and everything on, everything on the show is unhealthy. Uh, what would be, uh, would be a good example? 
Well, can we stick with the the fans thing? Like, what have you done? I know you love, I, I love following you on Instagram, like the meetups that you do, like, what have you done to turn your listeners to fans? And I think we're the same way. Cause I heard you say like, he's a friend. Like, I feel like everybody that listens to the show is a friend. Like there's no way that I would call anybody a fan per se. Like, what have you done to sort of better engage your audience? Yeah, I call it climbing the listener pyramid. So at the base of the pyramid are uh, strangers. They don't know you exist. Then you have listeners. You've convinced somebody, uh, you've, you've moved somebody from stranger to listener. Like that's a big, important hurdle. That's a big, important step. Then you have subscribers and then you have fans at the very top. And so as you kind of, you know, every piece of content that you create, every kind of social interaction is a chance to ascend somebody on that ladder. Like I was wearing um, a, a shirt from Libsyn, the podcast hosting company, and it said like hashtag podcaster at the uh, grocery store. And so I just started a conversation with the uh, checkout guy at Trader Joe's. He was like, oh, what do you, you know, you have a podcast? What do you podcast about? And so I was like, hey, it's a side hustle show too. You know, it's the green uh, cover art, you know, find it on your phone. It's, um, you know, taking those opportunity. So, um, you know, getting somebody to listen often happens, you know, through word of mouth, at least that's how I tend to discover new shows. Um, you don't want to discount the, uh, podcast discovery, you know, search engine element to it. I mean, you're the, you're the ASO, um, expert guy, but you know, iTunes optimization, Apple podcast optimization, like including your keywords in the title of your show, in the title of your episodes. Cause often all will search episodes for like Instagram marketing or something like that. Um, whereas if you have an Instagram expert on your show, but you only include their name in the title, like who wants to listen to that? Like I was, um, I was a guest on somebody's show. This was a few years ago and they're like, they do what you're supposed to do. Hey Nick, thanks so much for joining me. Your episode is live today. Here's the link, you know, feel free to share it around. And I click on it and it's like 33 dash Nick Loper. Like this is awful. Like who, who's going to click on this? Who's going to There's no reason to tune in. Like, what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to learn? Um, turning listeners into subscribers for me was a, was this realization that the podcast is content marketing. The podcast on itself was not a very good business, especially in 2014 when this light bulb kind of went off. So what I started to do was create episode-specific opt-in offers, episode-specific lead magnets and say, hey, you're out driving, you're at the gym, you're walking the dog, like you're not in a great place to take notes, but my guest is sharing some juicy tactical stuff you might want to refer back to. So we took notes for you. You can download them you know, at this URL. And so that worked really, really well. Um, and then, you know, transitioning subscribers to fan. And then what I also do for subscribers is now I can email them. So instead of an anonymous person listening in their earbuds, it's like somebody that I can contact uh, again or have permission to contact again. And that's been helpful because I've found myself as a casual listener, but not a subscriber of several other shows, but they'll send me episode, they'll send me um, emails about their latest episodes. Like uh, Tim Ferriss is one of these where it's like, I don't listen to every show. Uh, Steve Chu from uh, My Wife Quit Her Job is another one where I don't listen to every episode. But I'm on their email list somehow. They, you know, they had some lead magnet that I thought was cool. And now I get their thing. And, and when I get that and the episode sounds compelling, I'll go and download that. So every interaction, like every minute that I spend with them in their earbud or in my earbuds is, you know, they're ascending me from listener to subscriber to fan. Um, and then really where fandom comes in or where, you know, friendom comes in is like, what 
action have you taken as a result of the show? What results have you seen as a result of the show? And so I'm sure you get the testimonial uh, emails all the time, like, hey, I implemented X, Y, and Z. These are the results that I'm seeing. Like those just make my day and they you know, give me the energy and motivation to, to keep going. Cause it's like, that's the whole point is like you, yes, you can make extra money. You are worth more than what it says on your business card, on your paycheck. And to see people implementing that in real life is really, really cool. And once they, once you get somebody to that money milestone in my case, like then they become evangelists, like this stuff works. Now I got to tell my friends. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I love getting those. I normally get those on YouTube now. And I love seeing the comments that say, you know, I grew my downloads by 100% or whatever it is. I'm a big fan. But I think I especially like the ones that say, you're kind of attractive. I got one of those. Somebody called me gay. Somebody called me to talk too much. But the attractive (laughs) one, I like that. I screenshot that one for sure. All right, let's, we've got a couple left. I'm going to want to be good on time for you. So I'm going to pick one for you, Nick. Okay. All right. So let me share this with you. Whoops. That's a polite way of saying I'm rambling too long. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm honestly more concerned about your time, man. If we could go, like, I would love to just do this the whole time. So if you got time, I'm more mindful of your time. All right. I'm going to pick personal for 300 because I think it's a good category. And I want to love your thoughts on why do you hate the word deserve? Because you don't deserve anything. <laughs> it's like, you got to earn it, man. Um, maybe there are some things that, that you deserve, but um, I'm, I'm just not a fan. I think, you know, you can earn, yeah, I don't know, go out, go out and earn it. Don't, don't play the deserve card. I like that mentality, but yeah, I do. I don't think there's nothing I need to add here. All right, the last one we got is personal for 200. So I know you're, one of your first business that you started was a shoe business. As a shoe guru, tell me an interesting fact about shoes. An interesting shoe fact. Um, one of my first uh, helpers in this business was a virtual assistant in Karachi, Pakistan. And he would work the uh, night shift in, in Karachi, which sounds like it was kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting place. And he, I'd have him research blog posts and run the ad campaigns. And he may have even ran like kind of the live chat customer support. And he would always joke like, I know more about, you know, women's shoes than, than anybody else in Karachi. So that was kind of a, uh, a funny thing, but a bit of shoe trivia. Like I would, um, I was actually my own worst customer during the course of this business. Like over the course of 10 years, I probably bought three pairs of shoes. And to, to the extent that I would actually go outside, like on the sidewalks around here, like barefoot running. Like I was one of those guys like, oh, I'm going to go a full minimalist and like legit barefoot run. <laughs> it's like, watch out for pebbles because that like hurts like crazy. Um, so I was running around in the, in the Vibram uh, Five Fingers for a while. After that, just a little bit of protection but I'm kind of retired from, from running now. I just tend to do kind of a homemade CrossFit type of workout and I find that to be a more efficient uh, exercise. We have to go soul cycle together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like spin class? Yes. Okay. My wife and I are addicted. <laughs> nice. Anyway, sorry, go away. what are you saying? My dad goes to spin class like 5 a.m. He's like all about it. Yes. Dude, join us. I'm telling you. Bring Bryn. We'll double date. <laughs> 
Are your kids old enough to babysit yet, by the way? Yeah, almost. Getting there, man. Two more okay. years. Oldest is 11. <laughs> oh, that, shoot. That's, that's definitely, that definitely counts. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think too. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> uh, do you have a shoe fact? Sorry, I thought I was interrupting something. Yeah, I guess the shoe fact was just that trivia of, you know, going right. barefoot running and, and then <laughs> retiring from, like I was my own worst customer. <laughs> I thought you were, like when you said that, when like the, you know, the 25 facts about Nick, the, I thought you were a shoe, like, what do they call it? What do they call them? Like shoe something, but shoe head. Is that oh yeah, sneaker head. Sneaker head, yeah, the sneaker head. That's what I thought you were. Like, oh, this guy must be a sneaker head. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's funny. All right, Nick, well, let's get on to the favorite part of my show. Let's go into the game section. I've got a little bell that will ring if you get something right. I need a little buzzer. I need the taboo buzzer. So I'm going to get that soon. Okay, it's a game I made up, and it's called Based on Your Simpson Knowledge. Now, knowing that you haven't watched the show in quite some time, I'm a little bit reluctant to see. Oh, I'm, real, I'm curious to see how well you'll do it. But I named the, call, the show called Nerd because <laughs> here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at famous Simpsons quotes, and you're going to complete that sentence. All right? Okay. Here we go. Number one. I think Homer said this. It takes two to lie, one to lie, and one to... Listen. Good job, Nick. How was that? It's too loud? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Nice. <laughs> All right. Next. Kids. And another, probably Homer. You've tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is blank, blank. Never try. You are a fan, my friend. It's like, it's like the most depressing quote ever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> All right. Here's a hard one. Okay. You're, getting, you're dominating this game. Three words, blank, blank, blank. These are the three demons that you must slay if you wish to succeed in business. And you don't have Ooh. to have them in the right order. Oh, this is, this is Mr. Burns. Um, it's probably like... <sighs> Friends, family, and religion, or something. Wow. Family, religion, and friendship. Oh, yes. Good. All right. I was trying to stump you. I think this is the last one, Nick, but you don't win friends with salad. Oh, my goodness. He is a true fan, my friends. I think this is it. That's it, oh, Nick. People coming. This was, we should have just done this for an hour. That would be good. <laughs> Dude, you know how hard it's finding all these quotes? I wanted to make sure I had funny ones too. <laughs> I, one thing that I did appreciate, one thing, the other show idea I had was, or game idea I had was Hamilton or Simpsons. I love that you're one of the most previous ones. You had so many Hamilton in there that I was just trying to catch it. That's all I would listen to. It's about <laughs> the unfair advantages. And I just... As I was listening to it, I was like, there's a Hamilton one. There's one. Wait for it. And it's like so subtle. You do a great job of that. I should have, I should have gone back and like rescripted. I should have, I had the, uh, like. You, you, you cut out, but I'll edit that part out. But you said, I have the. I should have went back and scripted out. I had the, and, that, and it froze after that. Yeah, I had the, um, the track listings for the soundtrack up right next to the um, outline for the episode. And so I should have, you know, I, I feel like listening back to it, I, I probably could have uh, done a few more. You know, the world, the world turned upside down. Um, there were a few more, you know, 
Hindsight always, always. Did you script that out? Like, did you write the whole script when you were doing that episode? I usually script still 90, 95% of everything. One thing I want, last thing I'll bring up to you is you have so much energy on the show and you said you're admittedly, self-admittedly a quiet guy. How do you bring all that energy to the show? The standing desk helps. Um, recognizing that it's audio, it's like radio only. That's like all you got. Um, so try and capture somebody's attention, somebody's earbuds. And occasionally you'll get a guest who's like, well, I went to this website and you're like, Time out, time out. We got to get, we got to get up for this, you know? Oh, you actually coached the guests then? Yeah, a little bit. And, and I'm trying to get like, you know, hey, loosen, loosen up. It's radio. Like we got, <laughs> we got to, we got to get people tuning in. Um, actually, one along those lines, a, um, an NPR host in San Francisco, okay, recently did a pre-interview with this guy. He's been on the radio for 30 years. What he gave, if you're hosting a, an interview show, he gave what he called the traffic light formula for an interview show. It's like your first 30 seconds of an answer, the light's green, people are tuned in. They're like, okay, I'm, I get what this guy's saying. The next 30 seconds, like it started to turn yellow. They're like, ah, what is he going to stop talking? The next 30 seconds is like, okay, red light. You, you got to wrap this thing up, you know? And so I was like, oh, that's kind of, an, I never heard that. So maybe I'll uh, start sharing that with, with some guests too. I do like that. I do. In the beginning, I would not want to interrupt the guests. Now I don't care. I'll just interrupt. Be like, oh, moving on. Let's go to this part. Yeah. It makes me for a more little like ping pong back and forth. Like I'll ask a follow-up or something like, because um, we were listening to, it was either the daily or what's the other one? The NPR one. And they did a really good job of like, you know, Politics? they would, I don't know how, if it was edited or if the person responding was just, you know, naturally succinct, but you know, they did a good job of kind of keeping the back and forth alive. Yeah, really cool. Well, Nick, anything else you want to cover before I hit hit you with the the plugs? Um, that's it, man. This was uh, this was fun. This was a new style of uh, of interview for me. Well, this was fun for me. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for putting on this mastermind that I get to be a part of as well. The website, if you want to learn all about Nick, is sidehustlenation.com. And he's got a great book out as well that's free right now. It is called The Side Hustle, How to Turn Your Spare Time into $1,000 a Month or More. You can get it for free or on paperback and just by going to sidehustlenation.com slash book. Nick, you want to send the audience anywhere else? Boom. That's it. If you're in the uh idea searching phase, uh, sidehustlenation.com slash ideas is my uh, constantly updated laundry list of part-time business ideas, ways to make extra money that you can start today. No opt-in required. Nick, you got a phenomenal podcast. I just love seeing how other people are earning money. And I think you do a phenomenal job just highlighting that, that there's endless possibilities out there if you want to start your side hustle. I do have to say this one thing. <clears throat> my cousin's husband, I think he told you the story. He's like, Steve, I know you're famous. I was listening to this podcast and then you got to be a guest on it. It's called Side Hustle, Side Hustle Nation, Side Hustle Show. And I was like, oh yeah, I know him. He's out in Liberty. You know, like, I'm like, yeah, he's, he's a totally cool guy. And that's the first time he's like, I didn't know Steve was big time based off of your show, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's these, these crazy connections because you never know who's tuning in. That's the power of putting content out there. It's like the 98% of listeners you'll never hear from, the silent majority um, so trying to, trying to get them to be less anonymous is, is always a challenge, but it's really cool that people are out there tuning in and yeah, Steve, you're big time.
Thanks, brother. Well, once again, it is called The Side Hustle Show. Check them out, sidehustlenation.com. Nick, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. You bet, man. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.